This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. How do you spot immaturity in the life of the disciple of Jesus? Jesus had a unique way of exposing the immaturity in those he had chosen to follow him. Often he would ask them a question that would reveal their childish nature. At times, Jesus would intentionally put them in a situation for which they had no answer, reminding them of their desperate dependence on him and his spirit to teach them the ways of the master. Mark 9 reveals several unsightly traits of immature disciples, and as we study them today, we should ask ourselves, how many of these are present in our lives? Looking in verse 35 of Mark chapter 9 today, sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last and servant of all. And then in verse 49, for everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt should lose its savor, how can you season it? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another. The patience of Jesus is in full view here with his disciples. We see at the beginning of this chapter, this inner circle, Jesus's D-group, as it were, and they went everywhere with him, learning from him at every turn. The exciting thing about this group is that most of the time, (laughs) they didn't understand. He brings them to a high mountain, which is a theme in Mark. Everything important happens on a mountain in Mark. They are on the Mount of Transfiguration, and suddenly, Jesus is emblazoned in white, whiter than anyone could get, and with Jesus are Moses and Elijah. The Bible says that they didn't know what to say, but that had never stopped Peter from speaking before. So he leaps to his feet and says, it's good for us to be here. Let's build three booths for the three of you. Immediately from heaven, God says, this is my son. Hear him. Basically, shut up and listen. Then when the smoke clears, only Jesus remains. Now this picture is a powerful reminder. Because the purpose of Moses and Elijah being present is to show these disciples that both the law, as depicted in Moses, and the prophets, as depicted in Elijah, both of them point to Jesus. This development had been the Father's plan all along, to show them that it all points to Christ. The disciples missed this truth altogether, so in a moment, God thunders to say, hey, it's about Jesus. The purpose of the scriptures here is to point us to him. We read the Bible to learn about ourselves, to find help for ourselves, and to see what God has for us. And yet the point of all of it is to point us not to ourselves, but to Jesus. It could not have been a more precise picture after God thunders these words, all of them are gone and only Jesus remains. That was the point all along. 
All of history has led up to this moment, even after the transfiguration. These disciples, though, they still don't understand. They're asking questions about why the scribes say that Elijah must come first. You'll remember that Jesus had already told them that John the Baptist was the Elijah that was to come from the prophet Malachi. And moving further now, watch how Jesus teaches his disciples. He puts them in a situation that is bigger than they are at that moment, even pushing them a little bit, because they try to cast out a demon, but they can't do it. And so after Jesus cast out the devil, they ask him, why couldn't we drive him out? Verse 28, Jesus' response to them showed them that they could only do this as they were dependent upon God in prayer. Jesus exposes their tendency to do God's work in their own strength. And then he models for them the persecution that he will suffer by warning them again. And yet they still don't get it. Even while he's talking to them about his coming persecution and death, we find them arguing about who is greatest among them. Here again, pride is another common trait of immature disciples. Jesus' response to their pride is to show them how being last and the servant of all is the way up. Remember, the way up is down in the upside-down kingdom. Jesus wants them to learn to embody humility and service, not pride and power. Then the disciples get jealous of someone else who's trying to drive out demons in God's name, and they tell him, stop, stop. Another trait of learning but immature disciples is often jealousy over other people's influence. Jesus' command is to leave him alone. He tells them anyone who gave a cup of water would never lose his reward. He encourages them to let the Lord sort out who's working for him, and instead to cooperate with those who are about the same task. Work with him, not against him. Because it's not about them. It's about Christ. Remember, we learned that from the transfiguration. It's about him and his name. And we belong to him. Jesus' final request in this chapter was to be at peace with one another. We should work to embrace the growth, ministry, and maturity of others at all costs. The chapter ends with a peculiar discussion about salt. These words may be confusing at first as we consider what Jesus is speaking about here in Mark chapter 9, but they serve in many ways as sort of a conclusion to the events of this chapter. When Jesus and his disciples arrive in Capernaum, Jesus is in the house and his disciples are arguing outside. They're arguing about who would be the greatest in this newly proclaimed kingdom that Jesus was establishing. Mark intentionally sets this conversation amid Jesus' transfiguration, his powerful display over a demon, and his second prediction of his death. Jesus confronts their arguments by asking a simple question. He says, what are you guys arguing about on the way? Jesus already knows the answer, but like in the Garden of Eden, he asks them so that they have to confess it. Somehow verbalizing our pettiness makes us understand how ridiculous it really is. When Jesus learns of their argument, he seizes a teachable moment amid their foolishness and tells them how to be the greatest, which remembers what they're arguing about. But the way up is down, 
in the upside down kingdom. And so Jesus tells them that the greatest of them will be a servant. And then he powerfully illustrates this by having a child stand among them and showing them a humble servant's heart. You see, children would have been regarded as an afterthought and useless in Jewish culture. And yet Jesus makes it a point to tell them that welcoming children is like receiving God himself. Something so patently ridiculous in their mind, such humility of thought and care of others, people who were downtrodden in society through selfless service, is what God rewards as worthy of great honor and respect. He then teaches them about the radical nature of the destruction of the sin of pride in their hearts. It's like cutting off hands and gouging out eyes. That's how important it is to root these things out of our lives. And then he ends with teaching about salt. Now to to our Western 21st century ears, these words can seem curious, but they have great importance for a first century Jew. You see, salt was the chief preservative of the day. And according to Ezekiel 43.24, salt was to be added to sacrifices. This sacrifice that these people made was an act of contrition and repentance. It was commitment to God to again live in holiness. And they would put their money where their mouth is if they were going to add salt to these sacrifices. Adding salt here spoke of their intention to make the decision stick because salt was a natural preservative. They would no longer return to that sin. Instead, commit to living a life of preserved faithfulness following such a sacrifice. However, when that salt became contaminated by impurities, its qualities were worthless. Jesus' point then is in asking, if the salt should lose its savor, how can you season it? It was to show that their faithfulness to God was being contaminated by their pride and their jealousy and their independence and their inability to listen. All these contaminants were wrecking their devotion to God, rendering it worthless. With sincerity and consistency, they were to walk in such humility. And Jesus says, have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another. The rabbi is telling them, preserve your faithfulness by living at peace with one another. Stop arguing about these petty things because when you bicker with someone like this, it's often a signal that many impurities contaminate your life. Now this chapter is helpful because it gives us a list of these contaminants, these conditions of immature disciples. Let me just highlight a few of them. Number one, not listening. Sometimes disciples misunderstand that we are learners. Like Peter did at the beginning of the chapter, we need to remember to do more listening and less talking when it comes to spiritual things. Learning to listen to God's spirit throughout his word usually starts with being silent. Secondly, misunderstanding. Immature disciples often misread what God is trying to do. Peter thought that Jesus was just the latest revelation from God in a sequence of many other prophets. But God was showing them that all of these prophetic messages culminated in Jesus. And as disciples, we have to make sure that we don't rush to conclusions to believe what we think God is saying versus what he is actually saying. The third trait here is being thick-headed. 
Often, immature disciples don't learn as fast as you think they would. Remember, Jesus had already told them that John the Baptist was the Elijah that had come to prepare the way, and yet they hadn't listened to that. They didn't understand, and they needed more clarification because they weren't paying attention. Fourthly, independence. When put in a place of ministry and service that is bigger than they are, immature disciples will often reach to do things in their own strength rather than depend on God through prayer. These disciples thought that they could cast this demon out without this level of fasting and prayer that was required. And we have to make sure that we struggle to enter God's strength by pushing through the veil of ourselves into God's presence. Number five, pride. Pride is another characteristic of immature disciples. And we have to guard ourselves against the pride that often comes with even the smallest amount of growth. While we celebrate spiritual growth as a means of motivation, we have to be careful not to be built up in pride and build up in pride those who are growing. These disciples were embarrassed because their independence from Jesus had been exposed. And that was precisely what Jesus had in mind. The final thing is jealousy. Jealousy is another trait of immature disciples. This jealousy is rooted in their pride. And so Mark lays these two incidences next to each other. And Jesus' sharp response to the arrogance that fueled this jealousy was to remind them that they belonged to Christ and that it was worth cutting off body parts, if necessary, to embrace God's move in someone else. The application, then, is pretty obvious here. When we consider all that Jesus has done for us, we appear as out of touch and as foolish as these disciples do at times. Rather than fighting over things that don't matter, we should resolve to live our lives with faithful devotion to God preserved with as much salt as we can give it. We must work to rid ourselves of the contaminants of the old nature that often fuel such presumptuous arguments. These contaminants include greed, jealousy, pride, independence, envy, and revenge. Instead, we should live in a way that is wholeheartedly faithful to the Lord. We need to remember the salt that we put into our lives, being made a living sacrifice to God, and pursue peace with one another. So Jesus, help us to let go of the emotions that contaminate the salted faithfulness of our lives. Help us to live at peace with other brothers and sisters, and may our lives be an example to others to do the same. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For the show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Have a great weekend. Join us on Monday as together we help you learn to read your Bible.